Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Welcome to part nine of Paul's life. Last time um, I went over 2 Thessalonians, that it was written about A.D. 51, uh, 52. reason uh, Paul wrote it was because of the questions the people still had about Jesus' second coming. First key verse that I went over was uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3. Here Paul is expressing how excited he was to see his prayers being answered. That the people were growing in their faith and in their love for one another. Second one was 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9. Here, Paul wanted to encourage them in two ways. Those two who don't follow God, who don't obey the gospel, will be punished. And no matter what we Christians may experience on this side of eternity, we will one day have rest, which is very encouraging, especially with things going on now. The next key verse was Second Thessalonians all of chapter 2, because it just all went together. This chapter speaks about the apostasy to come, meaning the total desertion of one's religion or and principles, which I think we see a lot of that now. And reminding us Christians that this has, this has to happen first before Jesus' return. So when you get discouraged as a believer, when you see all this stuff going on, try to remember that before Jesus comes, this has to happen. It's prophecy. Then I closed with the importance of growing in our faith. How important it is for us Christians to get as much as we can to grow as Christians, to be a light, to be a, a reflection of Jesus to everyone, to our family, to co-workers. One, and one very important reason why we should be sharing our faith with others because of our love for them. And I also shared about our excuses of not doing it. Like, we can't do it. I don't know. God will equip you. You just need to be available. Now, starting tonight, we're going to go over First Timothy. So let's begin. It was written approximately around A.D. 63 by Paul. 
course. It was a letter written to a young church leader, Timothy, with specific instructions on how to fight the good fight. Let's begin with chapter 1. First key verse that I saw was in chapter 1, and the key verses was 3 and 4. Starting in verse 3, it says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables or endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification with in fa- um, which is in faith. Paul first warns Timothy to be careful that no other doctrine is being taught. Anything contrary to the truth. Also, to not pay attention to myths or fables, which will cause disputes. And of course, you know that this applies to today. You see it in the news all the time. Trying to pass off um, forgery for the, real, for the real deal. That's why it's very important for us as Christians to know the word of God. So you can tell the forfeits with the real thing. There is a lot of junk out there. A lot of it. All it takes is one word to twist God's word. For instance, like I am I am the truth, you know, I am the truth. Yeah, that's it. If you throw the uh in there, it makes a big difference. I am away at the truth and the life. means there's another way out there. It makes a big difference. So we've got to be careful that we know even those. If we're not careful and we're not versing God's word, it can slowly pull us away as Christians. Very slow. Like the song, there's one verse in... Um, Casting Crown song where it's a slow fade. The more you allow things to cut, well, step in there, the more you, whatever you feed the most is going to be the strongest in your life. And it can happen very gradually. Like some, things on TV, you compromise just a little bit. And, so, and then eventually you become numb to it. The next key verse uh, in verse 1, be uh, 12 through 15. And it says, starting with verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a, pr- a persecutor, and an insolent, disrespectful man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 
And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul first describes the reason Jesus chose to come into the world. To save sinners. Again, he was given specific instruction to Timothy, a young believer and a young leader. And then Paul is transparent. Like many times you see Pastor Joe up here, or us, or any of us up here. He says, of whom I am chief. What I like about this is that Paul knew where he came from, and he knew his abilities still. Even though he was saved, he still realized, I believe, that he was still able to fall. Paul understood his heart by nature. He understood his heart. And I think it's wise for us believers to know that we are always capable of falling into sin. If we had the right ingredients and the right factors involved, you can fall into it. And it's wise to know where they are in your life. He knew his heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitfully, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, that says it all right there about our heart. You cannot trust it. I hear people all the time, trust in your heart, trust in your feelings. You cannot do that. You can't trust. Your, your feelings change just like the weather. You need to test it against God's word. Then Paul gives God all the glory and honor. He gives him all the honor and glory. He knows. He gives credit where it due. He knows where it comes from. He knows where his strength comes from. He knows of all what he has now as a believer where it came from. And that's what I believe really motivated Paul in ministry. Because he remembered where he was and where he is now and what he was allowed to do. Because God does not need him. He allowed him. Just like any of us up here. And he knew that. But how many of you truly know what you're capable of giving if a chance? If given a chance, do you know deep down, and do you ever examine yourself and know what you are capable of if you are given a chance? Or do you fool yourself? Are you in, are you in denial? Or do you really give it a, you know, just really think about, like, you know what? I am not going to put myself in that situation. You know, I troubleshoot computers for a living. And I make it a practice that when I walk into a woman's office, I make sure the door is open. I don't care how much I know her. 
believes he's okay, I don't take the chance. I don't want to give Satan any strongholds at all. Because my marriage means a lot to me. And he, using his own life, I believe Paul was trying to show Timothy the goodness of God. I believe he was really showing him the goodness of God by his testimony about where he came from and about how his life changed and where he was currently. And I believe he wanted to show Timothy that and encourage him there. He's showing God's mercy by his testimony. And mercy is not getting what we deserve. not getting what we deserve. And in God's grace, getting something we don't deserve. You know, and I do think about that quite often. Um, Being a knucklehead I can be, I just know that God's mercy and grace is in my life every day. And there's one true way that Jesus showed this. And where did he show it the most? That's where he showed it. You know, he did this, yet we still deserved it. We still deserve it. But by his grace and mercy, he did this for us. That's how much he loves you and I. And how hard is it for us as his children now to be obedient to him? Next key verse, 1 Timothy 1, verses 18 through 19. Starting with 18, it says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on a prophetic uh, prophetic words spoken by you earlier, may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. Again, Timothy is being given specific instructions by Paul. He says to fight the good fight. And how does Timothy do this? How does any of us do this? How do we fight the good fight? By clinging to his faith, by clinging to our faith. And the word clinging really stood out to me. What it was like. What is it like to cling to something? And why do we cling to something? That's one reason. I mean, he's clinging to this cliff for his life. If he lets go, probably he's going to be hurt pretty badly or if not dead. So he knows the importance of him clinging. 
He's holding on for his life. How about for our own children? Where we're in a, a crowd, at the mall, somewhere. You hold on to their hand. Why? Because they're precious to you. They're important to you. And you don't want anything to happen to them. So you hold on tight. And another way you do it. How many of us do that every day? You hold on to that steering wheel. What if you don't? What do you think is going to happen? It's going to go in its own direction. You've got to make sure you keep that in the direction it needs to go. You've got to cling to that wheel. Again, we cling to those things which mean a lot to us. But how much more does it mean to you, your faith? Spiritually speaking, we should be clinging on to that because it could be spiritually life or death for someone else. If we're already saved, it could be life or death spiritually for them. But we have the ability to share that with them. Going back to what Paul said in verse 18-19, he instructs Timothy to go and fight God's battles well, to fight the good fight. But notice something. Paul doesn't say, if you do, if you fight the good fight. It's when you do. So know as Christians you're going to have to fight at some point. You're going to have those moments. You're going to have those persecutions. You're going to have somebody that does not agree with you. Now, we don't have to debate in a way that's non-Christian or mean, <clears throat> but you can do it in a loving way. And I've had those moments of not being very loving, and then I would regret it. And again, that's that would push somebody away more than draw them to Christ. So what we're there to do for God is to draw people to him and not draw them away. And again, Paul says to Timothy, to cling to your faith. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. And not rely on your own strength. When you cling to your faith, you're not relying on yourself. You're trusting God. You're trusting that he knows better than you. You may not understand with the circumstances around you, but understand and know God that you serve. And then he says, keep a clear conscience. What does he mean by that? It's to know and understand between the right and wrong. It's knowing that. Not forget that. That difference between right and wrong. 
and something to ask yourself. Do you know enough of the word that if somebody twisted it that you would know the difference between the right and the wrong? Are you fighting the good fight? Are you fighting the good fight? Are you holding on to that faith tightly? Especially in those hard times, in those difficult times. Are you holding on tightly? Are you holding on to something that means a lot to you? In chapter 2, next key verse is verses 4 and 5. Starting with verse 4. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Something I just want to put, I put in here is that I was reading this. Some of the things, some things you may read. This is my ADD, by the way. Um, I just kind of put this in here because I really feel as you're reading the word of God, something may not make sense to you. It just may not make sense. And many times you can figure it out, but there may be times you may not. You just may not understand it. And that shouldn't be an excuse not to want to grow in your faith, to want to get into your word. Do it as much as you can. But I really believe that everything written in God's word is there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. God who desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And we are, as Christians, commanded by God to go out and preach the gospel. And, and that's self-examination you know, self, self, self for yourself. Do you do that as much as you could be? And again, something else that is said here is that there is only one God and one mediator. There are so many out there still wanting us to believe and pushing out false doctrine out there to say that there's more than one God and more than one mediator. And that is not true, as you can see right here. Now, chapter 3 speaks about the qualifications for overseers and deacons. I'm not going to get into all that right now. The next key verses, chapter 4, 
verses 1 and 2. Starting with verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly, uh, expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to the dece- deceiving the spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Hmm. In later times, some will depart their faith. Let me ask you this. When you hear that, do you think of yourself? Do you ever think that you could actually depart your faith? Does that scare you? Does that concern you at all? That because, our, because of how our hearts could be, if you don't know the word of God enough, well enough, you think you may be capable of departing the faith? There's going to be some people to do that. What makes us think, and I'm not saying that you will, what makes you think, what makes us think that we're not capable of it? I think that should be a motivation for us to get in God's word more. To come to any study that you can to be fed by God's word. Because that I have a fearful, a fearful fear of. I don't want to be one of them. I don't want to fall in battle. I want to be the one there lifting people up. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? What does that mean to have your conscience seared like a hot iron? Well, when this is done to cattle, to mark the animal, that's a permanent mark. But it only, it, it, it's not only a permanent mark, what it does to the nerve endings kills them. There's no feeling in those spots anymore. There's no, the sensitivity goes away. You lose the sense, that sense of between right and wrong. It gets seared. It gets damaged. Spiritually. We do not want to be or to become an Isaiah 5.20 person. Which is, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet. And sweet for bitter. We don't want to do this. And we don't want to fall for that. We don't want to put ourselves in that situation where things like that start, to, that bad starts looking good to us. And some good looks bad to us. We don't want to do that. It's a slow fade. And it's very dangerous. Whatever you choose to feed in your life becomes the strongest. If you choose to feed your flesh, your flesh is going to become, if you feed your flesh more than your spirit, 
your flesh is going to become stronger. If you feed your spirit more than your flesh, your spirit's going to become stronger. It's very logical. What do you want to be stronger? Chapter 5 speaks about the treatment of, like the uh, treatment of church members, how you treat certain church members, how to treat widows and elders. Again, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Then lastly, the last key verse I see is in verse 6. Verse 20 and 21. It says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle blabbings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By uh, professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Let me go back again. Again, I I notice Paul is really emphasizing to Timothy to really be careful of that gossiping, false doctrine, the fables that are taught out there, that he stays on top of it and makes sure that it is not done. Pastor Joe and everyone else here who in leadership, that's what they tried to do is look for the wolves in sheep's clothing that are here to not benefit you in a good way. In closing, I believe it's very important for each and every one of us to examine our hearts. Give it to the Lord. Think about what, if you were given the situation, what you may be capable of doing. And just know that there's always a way out of that, that as long as you get to know the Word of God more and more, that It'll protect you. And again, think about what you're feeding the most. Your flesh or your spirit? What do you choose to feed the most? And are you allowing the world to sear your spiritual consciousness? Something to think about. And lastly, cling to your faith and and do guard it. Do you guard it? Do you guard what God has given you? Do you guard your heart? Do you guard that treasure that God's given you? Do you cling to it? Do we cling to it? Do we realize how important it is? 
And also, if we know that, I really believe that we will shine in a way to the world that they will see Christ in us. And I pray that those people will want the same for their own lives. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.